Now, uh, we are continuing our study in the book of Isaiah, and uh, it's been read. It's Isaiah chapter 63. Um, now, just to put things into perspective, perhaps, say that during the, first, the Second World War, during the Second World War, during the time of crisis around the world, one person in Ukraine, a person in Ukraine, were to write down a prophecy, something going to happen in the year 2022, the war of Ukraine this time. And he even named President Zelensky, is that how to pronounce it? President Zelensky, when President Zelensky is not even born yet. This is the book of Isaiah. When Isaiah wrote the book and gave his prophecies, especially in chapter 45, he named the King Cyrus, who is going to deliver, be instrument of God to take the people back. The people were not even exiled. King Cyrus was not even born yet. That is the book of Isaiah. That is the book of Isaiah we are reading. So there's a prophetic element of Isaiah. And we have labored through Isaiah for one year. Congratulations, we have stayed on the course. And there's a lot of big themes in Isaiah. And, and, and I think that as you and I, we are being blessed in this journey of Isaiah. We have a few more chapters to go. There's a big theme, but there's also some instruction for us from time to time about how to, what God expects us, how to live our life, how to grow in Him. And today, we are going to look in particular, as we look at chapter 63 from verse 7 to 64, verse 12, we want to consider about prayer. Prayer. And uh, the title, The Prayer That God Loves to Answer, we adopted it from the program which we took from a church, St. Helen of Bishop Gate in London. So we are not, I'm not guilty of putting that because it's something which is quite challenging. The prayer that God loves to answer. Maybe it's easier to say, what is the prayer that God loves to answer? And let us move on. But to say that this is the prayer God loves to answer is something, a bit of a challenge for the person who actually prepared the message. Prepare the message. And, uh, and don't we need to know what the prayer God loves us to pray about? Now, I have two granddaughters, one four and a half and one one years old, just turned one. Her name is Zoe, the one who just turned one, her name is Zoe. Now when she was six months, around six months, she started to make a lot of sounds and noises to get attention. And one day, at around six months, I think when she was six months, she stick out her tongue and she blew. And we were so excited. What? When I heard about it, 
I went. And when I saw her doing that the first time, I stick up my tongue and I blew. Her eye lit out. Somebody understand me now. We connected. Really, you know, she was like, oh, no. and she blew, and I blew, and, and we had great fun that day. Somebody spoke her language. We connected. Now, in communication, in the conversation, we actually get to the most meaningful conversation when we connect. When we connect. When two persons connect, then we actually get the most out of that interaction, the communication. Now, if prayer is a conversation, a communication with God, we should work on how do we connect with God. And that's the most important thing. That's the most rich, uh, richness you can get in prayer when we actually connect with God. When we connect you. So to me, what's the pray- prayer that God loves to answer is when we should connect with God in our prayer. In our prayer. Now I would like to give you some keys. Some keys, some elements of which I think could be of help. It's not exhaustive and you may have your own keys. Alright, there's a few things which I'd like to go through. So I, I hope that uh, I could be clear by putting a PowerPoint there. Now, we should take prayer as part of a building of our relationship with God. Prayer is not in isolation. Prayer is part of building our relationship with God. Now, the teaching of, from the Bible at this church hall is that Fundamentally, basically, God's aim in creation is we actually have a relationship with God. That's fundamental. Even starting from the Genesis, the book of Genesis, when God created Adam, the whole world, and Adam and Eve in that, He actually frequented the Garden of Eden and have a, a time with them, have a fellowship with them, meeting with them. God was having a relationship with Adam and Eve. And it was one time when he actually came to visit them, he found out they were hiding. It's because they have chosen to disobey him and as you know, ate the forbidden food. And they were hiding. And that caused the first split. And then it goes on. It's not that suddenly when they just do, did one, 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 one mistake, one strike and you're out. It's because that thing brought about an escalation of, of uh, corruption. Evilness start to, start to just overwhelm the whole mankind. And then because of sin, there's a barrier between God and man. But God didn't leave that situation that way. Immediately, he have a plan for restoration, to restore this relationship. And that's our message for Good Friday, which we're going to take on next week. That it is true, the sacrifice, He came down, Jesus Christ came down,
to die for our sin so that he can stop this corruption and redeem and redeem and, and bring the relationship back to what it's supposed to be. And this is the message of the Bible. And this is the message you can get from Isaiah. The book Isaiah actually talks about the coming, even before Jesus Christ came. He was prophesied, he was talked about in the book of Isaiah many, many years before he came. In such detail, his birth and his death was all written out prior to Jesus Christ coming. That's why we are having a, 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 an answer here, because it's an answer which is really not from man, but from God. Answers from God. So God's plan is for us to have a redeemed relationship. So relationship with God is primary. And prayer, prayer part is part of our discipline, our working out this relationship with God. Now, sometimes we just take that uh, the, 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 the outcome of prayer is that if I pray something, I hope that the, the thing which I pray will answer according to what I pray, how I requested it. And if it's not, the prayer was use, is useless. It's a useless exercise. We take prayer like going to the bank. I have a check. I want to bank in. This is my amount. I want it to be withdrawn. But it's not a relationship. But think of a child bringing, being brought up by the parents from early age. Does, do the parents always say yes to all the requests by the child? No, isn't it? Sometimes the no gives the boundary of protection to the child. And the relationship is formed. I was just observing my grand, grand, grandchildren being brought up by my, my son and my, my daughter-in-law. And there's a lot of time they say, no, 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 no. More than yes, 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 yes. You know? That's the boundary they put up. But does that mean that the relationship is broken? But the relationship is grown into it. To accept that kind of protection the pattern gives us. I tell you, looking back, even... I will, I, I'm really, really, really thankful that some of the prayer which I prayed, even at mature age, that God didn't answer according to what I pray. I'll be in deep water, you know. So God is a wise God. So prayer to me is a relationship kind of building up with God, a discipline of praying to Him, to connect with Him, and He listens. Now I know that it is a very big thought, which is actually missed out by a lot of other belief systems. Because when you say you pray to God, and you connect to God, you are bringing a transcendence to the availability. There's somebody who is making, who, who actually make the heaven, the stars, the universe, the thing out there, make the small thing too, have all the wisdom, that great personality is available to you in prayer it's a, and in relationship. It's a big, big thought to bring this together. But that is, that is the message of Scripture. That is the message. So we can actually approach God 
And that is the message of Scripture in prayer. So the next thing we have to do, the next key I will give to you is that we should know this God. So prayer improves, prayer, our prayer is developed when we are growing knowledge of God. If we have a growing knowledge of God, it helps us in our prayer life. In our prayer life. You know, that's why we come and study the Bible every week. We study it at home too. Because the more we know through the scripture, through the scripture, we can pray better. We can pray better. Now there are difficult parts. There are difficulties in some part of our prayer, uh, understanding of God. For example, in Isaiah here. Just prior to what Josh have read, is Isaiah, the first part of chapter, Isaiah 63, which was preached to us by Peter, uh, Peter Cliff. Cliff. It's a difficult word. It talked about God coming to judge. We love the picture of God who loved. Doing all the good things. And we have difficulty in thinking that God will have to judge. Judgment will come from God. And it actually sometimes challenges us. But if we were to think a little bit more, justice is not done till evil is judged. Evil is judged. Now there's a, a, a scene in a, a, a court scene which I saw that this man, he was actually did so much harm to the community. He killed and he raped a, a lot of innocent, I mean, women and all that. In his judgment, he was sitting there. When the judge pronounced that he, he, get, he got, there was no death sentence, he was judged to a sentence to something like 400 years in prison. It's a death sentence. 400 years in prison. When the judge pronounced that, the audience stand up and clap. Because that was a relief. That at least that justice is done that this guy who is unrepentant, you know, have to get what he deserves. So the people stand up and clap. But the man looked like stoic, unrepentant. And if you were in the audience, you would think that the 400 years is not enough. That you hope that in death he will meet, you know, the real judgment which he actually have to face. That is a stirring of our heart. That righteousness, a righteous God, must answer must judge. And he must judge if a person would not say sin is sin, evil is evil, unrepentant. The sin and the sinners, we have to come together at the throne of God. Unless, of course, we will have a person to be our advocate and our redeemer. And that's found in Jesus Christ. So there are difficult verses for us over here, in the, in, even in Scripture. So sin had to be judged. So we have difficulty. It's, it's, it's not an easy thing to go and to tell a person, you know, if you know, sin will be judged, your sin and my sin will be judged. It's not an easy message to, to pass through. 
The next thing here we have also sometimes that this intellectual difficulty we have. Over here in Isaiah, when, when he says he saw God actually being so almighty, almighty, he, he, he can do everything. And he asked God in verse, verse 7, I think, in 63, he said, uh, why do you make, verse 17, why do you make us wander from your way? It's as though, say, God, you know, if you are so powerful and so, you're so, so powerful and so great, won't you make a perfect world so that we do not sin? So we have that problem of trying to understand God too in that light. But then we know in our heart, yeah, I like God to make every one of you good. But for me, I want to have the independence, the freedom to do what I want. You know, the, the, the freedom to choose right and wrong is a God-given gift and it is precious. Unfortunately, we choose the wrong. But the good thing is there's redemption. But to say that, you know, God give, make man perfect, given people will to choose, he give us everything to be human to be a person and that's why we have that so we have sometimes when we try to understand god we find that a limitation in actually knowing him fully even through the scripture but we have to be honest about that struggle with him about that but don't stop praying don't stop praying okay so the next thing I say is you have to grow in our knowledge to help us in our prayer life. And the third key I find in our prayer life is we have to manage the scope of our prayer to what we can relate meaningfully. Isaiah here, he prayed about his nation, the thing is happening, and he asked God to intervene. He can see his arm length, the people are out there. Learn to manage your prayer life. It's like, I find it, I mean, I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult to say, God, you know, help feed all the poor kids who are hungry in Africa. I know sometimes, you know, that's kind of, I know it shows the, the, the tenderness of your heart. But when God do it, we are not to, there to see, to participate, to see how God really answered and sometimes the meaning actually is, it becomes rather a need of better meaning for you to grasp all. So learn to manage the scope of prayer life so you can relate meaningfully. And don't be afraid to give God your shopping list. I remember when I was actually driving back, uh, driving from Maryborough to my daughter's house, from Maryborough to uh, near uh, Greenborough here, to, I was delivering a mattress for her. You know, so I put in my trailer, covered with a tarp, and the weather was pronounced to be, you know, it's going to rain. It's it, it, it possibly raining. So I got, you know, uh, all right, I put my tarp, everything's ready, but it won't get wet. But it's better without rain, isn't it? So I got, you know, why don't, why, why did give you good weather? So I start my journey past Castle Maine, the, the cloud get darker and darker and it start to rain. 
uh, my tub start to rain. God, you know, it's really testing. Uh. Can you be, be a bit giving me a bit more convenience to, to do this job? Yeah. So as when I come to the Tullamarine, it's still raining. I say, God, okay, you know, it's still raining, but you know, the tub, uh, the the, the mattress is not wet. But you know, I'm going to have a bit of difficulty when. I stopped the trailer. I'm running short of time to stop the trailer to remove the tub and and handle the, the the big mattress into the into the house. And you know, it's nice to have no rain. It's nice the rain stop. Two hundred meters from the from the house, it's still raining. Hundred meter, it's still raining. Fifty meter is the when I start to park into the parking lot. Suddenly the rain stop. Just the right time, quickly undo my top, put it back in the. That was a relief. Well, it could be a coincidence and all that. You can say, it. and and when it's raining, I say, God, I thank you for the rain because the farmer, the farmers, my friend, really need the rain. Yeah, but don't don't be afraid to pray for small thing too. Give God your shopping list and interact it as a relationist kind of thing. Talk to him. Talk to him. Don't be afraid to give God your shoes. So, but I'm praying with my arm length kind of thing. I can see what I'm praying for, interact with what I... And, and, so it becomes meaningful to me. Meaningful to me. The next thing is conscious of deeper and higher goal. Conscious of deeper and higher goal. When Isaiah was praying for this, the people of Israel, the land was under threat. A crisis was happening. That time he was, during a Syrian time, they would be attacked and there was threat of war and all that kind of thing. It was really a crisis time. And Isaiah was praying, God, you know, deliver us. But he, don't, he didn't pray that delivers the nation. He was saying that he was looking, not just, just that the nation is delivered from all this, this uh, threat. But he was praying that the nation will be righteous to God. Righteous to God. Look beyond, beyond what's in front. And, and the more actually you grow in the Lord, you will, I mean, we can actually appreciate what is more important in that situation. And we should seek what is more important in that situation than just the obvious Answer to prayer. Remove these people or something. But he was praying that the nation will be righteous to God. That God's name will be glorified. Aim. Be conscious of the higher goal. The deeper goal. Allow me to dwell a little bit of some personal experience and all that. I hope... Uh, I've told this story before. It, it means a lot to me. When my son was born, when my son was born, the first day, it was really, you know, you hold the first babe, first child of yours, and it was really glorious, and I was really out in my cloud and really enjoying it. Second day, I came, uh, left my wife, Jean, in the hospital, went back home, you know, came back the next day, and when I came in the room where Chin was, there was a, a group of doctors and medical people all around the bed looking at my, 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 my son. 
I learned that during the night, not only him, there's another baby was actually traumatized because the nurses injected this baby either with the wrong drug or a wrong position, causing a clot on his leg, near his leg on the upper, upper part, at the back. And the clot was growing. And they, they were wondering what to do with it. And they say if the clot doesn't stop, the leg will be gangrious, uh, gangrene, will, will, will develop gangrene, and they will have to amputate the leg before it actually kills the baby. My heart dropped. I cried. I cried. Traumatic. And of course, Chin was really traumatized too. I, I went away from the room and went, went to just give a call to some of our church members to help me us by praying. But I was walking there. A voice told me, what are you going to pray for? Isn't it obvious? I want to pray that this thing stop. But it drove me to think again. And this is what I prayed. It was prompted to pray. I prayed that God, maybe 10 years, I do not know what's going to happen in the next month or so, but 10 years from now, if my son were to see people playing football and he had only one leg and he could not participate, pray that you give me the wisdom, the strength, the teaching between me and Chin to be able to bring out my son such the way he have no leg that he will not love you. Pray that we'll bring our child to love you, to really love you in spite of whatever circumstances he is in. That was our prayer. For us to have the wisdom and strength to be able to bring out this child. And God actually answered the prayer to me. And that was my biggest prayer. Not only to my son, but to my daughter. And right now, I'm glad that they really love the Lord. And uh, I can see that in their life and their commitment to the, the Lord in their work, in the various work they do, uh, in two different churches. But more of, of the way they, they actually love the Lord, you can feel it. And, and the perseverance. And to me, that is the most important part. That our child, my child, if there's anything else on the prayer, I'm praying my child actually knows the Lord which I love. Yeah, the Lord answers the prayer, this prayer. And of course, I mean, he was also a gracious Lord. And after one month of trauma, my, my son in the hospital a lot of things to be done, but he recovered and the child moved on. And So, in situation, rather than just look at that, what you think is try to go beyond and be conscious of the deeper and higher goals and God of, who promised us to give only good gift answer. So, conscious of deeper and higher goal.
And the last part, I can think the key is actually praying and obeying. Praying and obeying. And that's very important in our prayer life. Isaiah, when he was commissioned by God to be his mouthpiece to speak to the nation, God told him that, you know, I'm going to give you a job which will not be popular and may not actually have many people listening to you. But I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. It's better to when God say, you know, you do this, I'm going to bless you, and people will follow you. And but God say, no, you are going to speak to a people who are hardened, who do not, who will not listen to you. But you're going to do it anyway. Will you do it? Isaiah obeyed. And he obeyed. And Isaiah is the prophet who had to struggle all through to the end of his life. Whereby, finally, the king, the last king who actually uh, he ministered to, was so fed up with him, he took Isaiah and pushed Isaiah into the trunk of a tree and saw him, saw the trunk of the tree. And that's how Isaiah died. That's how Isaiah died. He was faithful to the Lord and obeyed the Lord. And no wonder the Lord gave him such, he was so connected to the Lord. Isaiah prayed and he obeyed. He obeyed. To this, you have to do three things for, for me. How to pray and obey. Number one is to develop a sensitivity to the inner voice. You must start listening as well as you pray to situation and see what God wants you to do in that situation, if He wants you to do anything. Now, the, the, myself and Chin's life have sort of come to some closure last few months. Uh, I think from November on the let me explain. We moved from Malaysia to Australia and lived in the regional for fourteen years. Fourteen years. And while we are there we get involved in the church and we actually straight away participate and now the church which I was sort of having prayer meeting with and sort of involved in outreach have a cloud looming over <laughs> over them in the sense that they went ahead and they bought in the same promise I mean get into contract to buy a hall which is not too far from the church only a door away from the church a big hall and they have paid a substantial amount of deposit to the to the to the to the to the council to get that place but they have a plan in place because they have a piece of land two and a half acre in town where they say, we sell that one to pay for this, everything's okay. And there's already a buyer who actually was, you know, put a small amount of deposit. So everything okay, but then the buyer pulled up. And there's no person buying. And the church quickly tried to apply for a loan and got into difficulty because the registration of the church name and all that come into play and they need time to get all this in order, and time is not something they have. So the church was praying, I was praying, 
and then we prayed. Then I remember to this time, the precise location where I was driving from Maryborough to Ballarat to pick my daughter up. It's somewhere in Talbot. As I was praying, I distinctly, in my inner voice, heard God say, Stop praying. Stop praying if you can do something about it. <laughs> Stop praying if you can. God don't want me to pray anymore. I know what he means. That he wants us, me and Chin, to go and say, we will redeem that land. We have went, we've gone to the land a few times and said, mm, yeah, but not that. Because we don't have all the background to do all the thing, development, now that we won't, you know, we, we say, no, we're not. But that time, we just have, I went back and told Chin, and Chin said, all right. And I'm glad that she just said, let's go do it. And so we went to the church and we just took over the land. And then the church was relieved. And I, I, I what can do with this land? There's no plan, absolutely no plan. But I have an assurance that God will carry me through. God will carry me through. So there's some of my background is actually building factories and all that. But I've not done nothing in Australia. I don't know all the checkbook to it. And people say, oh, you're really in trouble, you know. The council will give you real kind of problem, you know. But let me tell you that it was really, really smooth flowing. I was surprised at how smooth, and people were surprised. I could not actually employ one person, a, contra, a, a developer, that, okay, you handle all things, give me a, because I tried that, it was so expensive that it's not feasible at all. If I do that, you know, it was not feasible. So I decided to manage the whole thing from every stage, contracting and all that. And this is, this is just a detail. But it went on smoothly. And I can see God's hand. The thing is, I can see God's hand. Let me just recount to you one incident. When you develop a land to actually to do a 22-unit 22, 22 subdivision, there are a lot of things to do. So you have to put in the infrastructure from groundwork up to up the top, you know. So the bottommost is the silver line, and then you go up to stormwater and piping and all that kind of thing. So at every stage, I would be communicating with the consultant and say, all right, in this one, where's the handover and all that. So it went on smoothly. Then when we come to the stormwater, I say, I have this guy who do the silver work. He can have all the machine. He can do the stormwater, but he's not a plumber. He's not a plumber. So I asked my, my, my consultant, can he do this? The plumber, uh, the consultant, he looked through all the book and said, well, it's a stormwater. He can do it. So he did. So as we lay all the pipe, the stormwater pipe, and all, about 90% done, the, the dam was built and all that, a man drove by, stopped, looked at our job, and he took his card and said he's some kind of authority as regard to storm, uh, to water and all that. And say, he asked, where is your plumber? I said, oh, no problem. I give the, uh, let me call my consultant and you speak to my consultant. And within... Half hour, my, he managed to convince my consultant, say, I need a plumber. I said, so what are you going to do? Dig out all the, it's a big job. Dig out all the pipe and remove and then ask the plumber to do it again, you know. But when I'm doing the job, the pastor who is actually the church, 
uh, the church who sold us the land, he is a plumber too. Now, now, if this this man he spoke here before, his name is Clive Buck. He would not lie. He would not lie for my sake. Even though we actually relieved them from the land, he wouldn't lie. But before I begin the job, I already asked him as my sort of a team to consult with, look at the plan, and I pay him for the time and all that. But he was not involved. There, but pay so I told this this guy, he said, "Look here, I do have a team member who is a plumber. Can you speak to him?" So I passed the phone to him. I called Clive up and passed the phone to him. And if you are that man, I forget his name. He would think that I'm trying to build up a story, trying to get away, and, and he would just, you know, there's a lot of things he can do and to say, you know, I don't accept your story. He picked out the phone and he spoke to Clive. And they found that he and Clive were colleagues in teaching plumbing in one of the college. So they know each other. It was a release of the story. So I said, all right, Clive, you know, but I want you tomorrow to be in the site, not at home, watching TV. So the next morning, Clive had to come here. But the coincidence to me was remarkable. A man out of blue connected with Clive, teaching and all that. So to me, obeying and actually waiting for the Lord is a very important thing. And then the, I, think, I think I'll end here. But there's more story and the Lord has been good. But saying that praying and obeying is how we connect to the Lord and to be kingdom-minded. So I offer you these keys and I hope you can develop more keys yourself. But my main thing is in prayer, it's not incantation. It's not just saying something to the air. It's actually connecting to the Lord. So prayer should be part of our relational building, relationship building with God. We should grow in the knowledge of God because of that. We should manage the scope of our prayer within what we can relate mentally so it becomes something real. We should be conscious of deeper, deeper meaning, deeper, deeper goals in our prayer and God's movement. And then we should actually, when we pray, be prepared to obey. Let's Come to the Lord in prayer. Our Father God, we thank you, dear Lord God, that you are a God who listens to us in prayer. We thank you that, dear Lord God, you, you are a God who answers our prayer. And maybe it's not in the time whereby we want or not also in the way we want. But we know that you are a good God and you will give only good gift. I pray for every one of us here, every one of us will able, be able to, in our different, different background, when we feel the need to pray or when we actually pray at a regular way, we will be conscious, dear Lord God, of your presence in our prayer. We thank you, dear Lord God, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.